From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. I am Scott Armstrong and I have to my right my wife, Emily Armstrong. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we do not have our full cast here. Uh, Natalie and Dario say hi from wherever they are. Uh, <laughs> but the reason they're different is because we're specifically uh, focusing on updates or really on uh, debriefing after a few of the conferences that we've recently been to. And so just a few weeks ago, by the time we're recording this, we were a part, Emily, of something called Missio Nexus. And that was in Orlando, Florida. And... Uh, We were hoping to be a part of that conference in person, but just because of some different uh, weather-related issues and because of some family uh, issues as well, we just needed to attend that virtually. Praise the Lord that it was available and and online. And uh, man, oh man, what a privilege to be a part of some of these services then also some of the workshops. And so you know that we are a podcast that deals with missions and culture and healthy church. And so a lot of those topics came up, of course, in the Missio Nexus conference. Kind of open-ended again, uh, I would just say, Em, what did God teach you during that time? We on purpose went to separate workshops at many times to be able to learn uh, different things and come back together and process. And we've done some of that over lunches and just uh, on our own. But we want to do some of that here so that our, our listeners can hear too. What did God teach you? What was maybe the most impactful? Even just thinking about we did that separately. I think that's kind of if you guys ever are like with us in person and you don't see us sitting next to each other, it's with a lot of intentionality. It's not because we don't like each other or we don't like the same things even. Uh, It's because we just want to spread out and we want to hear as much as we can and learn as much as we can. Um, And so maybe to start our conversation, one thing that I have that um, was kind of small, but maybe just a piece that we can talk about for a few minutes is a lot of the stuff that we're doing in our missionary assignment is training missionaries or training people to do something else. And um, the whole Missio Nexus uh, conference was set up along these like tracks. So um, there there were some tracks for people that were literally in administration of missions. Mm-hmm. There were some people that were in finances of missions and leadership development. And like there were all sorts of these tracks. And so one of these tracks was um training, you know, the types of training. And it might have sounded so boring, but to me, I was like, oh, praise the Lord, they're providing resources. And the name of the um, the workshop that I went to was a, a hybrid training model. And it was like a case study. And it was this... Um, Missions organization that over the past five years have really refined what they do in their training uh, paradigms. And they have, it was interesting to me because I thought, well, we do a lot of the same things that they do as they were giving their testimony. If you've heard uh, the podcast before, you might have heard that for our Genesis training, missionaries are a part of it. We do a part virtually and we do a part uh, residentially. And so they were talking about that concept, right? They were trying to to help say that there is um, 
There is really good things that can happen when you embrace both technology and residential. And Scott and I have had that conversation a lot before uh, because we really don't think that it's it's possible to train a missionary in just a virtual space. And where we kind of always have landed on it is there are things that in missions work is so relational. Like how do you teach somebody to be a, a relational person when you're just screen to screen? And there's a lot of things that you need to be uh, together with. Well, one thing, Scott, that um, they were talking about that I don't know that we've used as kind of like a measure before of what we decide to do where if one's virtual and if one's residential, something that I'm interested to kind of go through our training and look about is they said that they really tried to figure out what are the things that they could do virtually that were more like um, almost like an on-demand service. Like, uh, so I'll, I'll give one of the examples that we use is missionary policy. Those of you that don't know, there is missionary policy that the Church of the Nazarene has that, that we all have to say that we agree to abide by these rules and these standards and we're going to conduct this way. Um, well, that's something that they would say could be a virtual training because it's reading the manual. It's maybe having like a quiz. It's not something that I have to share my heart with you on. But they said one of the things that they do in their residential training are the things that are like the core values of the organization. Yeah. Those are the things that they wanted to be in person. They wanted to be face-to-face. They wanted to make sure that you are grasping the concepts here. And so when I say those, Scott, maybe what are the thoughts that come to your mind of either what we're doing with our own training, or do you agree with the way that they would say that's kind of a good rubric of breaking down a, a hybrid type training? Yeah, technically, um, there are many materials that we have that would talk about our core values. There are many, uh, many books that they could read uh, on our doctrine and on, uh, on some of those things. I think the words that come to mind are, are certain things better taught or better caught? And some of those, some, some are both. I mean, you, I'm, I'm not, you know, you teach by, by, by uh, walking alongside and, but, but man, I mean, there are certain things you, you can't, Teach up passion, you know. I, there's a, 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 a basketball coach that might of one of my favorite teams that just says, "I can teach defense, I can teach, uh, you know, offense, but I can't teach." He said, "He says it this way: I can't teach dog, you know. I can't, I can't teach just that they would have that fight in them, that, that they would have that passion." And so, um, there are certain things that I think for us are really crucial that we would just uh, be able to to relate with them and to talk one on one with. Them. Now, those who have, have listened to the previous episode have known because of certain visa and embassy issues, we haven't been able to have them in, in a residential setting. Uh, our, our current missionaries, literally, we're training them in, in a purely virtual setting. So how do you reconcile maybe what your, uh, you know, this, this course that you just went to that said, we need to have a hybrid model with the reality of what we've had to decide and say, ah, for the first time ever, we're not going to have much of that you know, residential training. Yeah, that is a great question. And I think it's something that almost we need to create our own uh, sociological experiment on, right? Of like, okay, so this is something that we're doing almost completely virtual. But the one thing that I would say to it is there is one class that we would say is um, the core, you know, value maybe of Genesis and it's urban missiology. Urban mission, yeah, yeah. Yeah, urban mission. And so the one thing that we have said, even though we are, 
are pivoting almost everything to an online virtual format, I know that we're going to lose um, team work things. They, there are things that happen in the 30 days when all of the missionaries are here that they learn to not just work as a team, but they learn how to start being a family How together. to live as a team. Right. How to start processing culture shock together. Like that happens in a safe environment here for 30 days before we send them out. And so they're going to have to do that. We're going to have to give them space to do that uh, when they reach their sites. But I also know that we said, you know what, we really need to wait till they get to the site then when they are together and we will travel to them. We will be a part of this class, which takes about 36 to 40 hours when we're here residentially. We'll take out a week, whether it's us or uh, we work with Hay in that material, if we ask her to go teach it. But that is one of the pieces that we said we're not going to maybe use the word sacrifice. That sounds a little harsh, but we're not going to sacrifice what the face-to-face learning is on the urban mission because we believe it to be yes. such a core part. And so I think there are things that even as we get into like this virtual world, there's always going to be things that we need to find another way. They're not coming to us, but we're going to them this Time. Yeah, and we don't want to just say, hey, let's talk about our city. Let's talk about the importance of the of going to the city. We want them to go to their city. Right. And, and so, like, literally part of our training, uh, and you mentioned Suhei, a lot of people that are listening don't know that name. She is our assistant uh, in Genesis ministry and, and in our ministries here in the region. You know, if we can send her, if we can go ourselves uh, and train them in that, it's going to be hands-on. And it might actually be more effective. We've talked about this. Once they're already in the site, uh, uh, we've wondered, is training them in urban mission a month before and then they get to their city not quite as effective? You know, and maybe maybe having them literally do the prayer walk and get to know their neighbors and some of the concepts that we talk about, oh, a person of peace or a house of peace as well. You know, that's going to be really real, you know, right. I mean, when they're in Chihuahua and in Mayagüez, Puerto Rico this time. So we're, we're really praying that God would help us to, uh, to, to be able to glean, ah, this was crucial to have yeah. in person and maybe some other stuff can be online. Yeah. But you, what, what did you learn? Was there something that you were a part of that has really been sticking with you? There were several things. And, and honestly, the whole conference, Missio Nexus conference, really dealt with unreached people groups, difficult places, uh, what, what in the Church of the Nazarene we would call creative access places. And that just means you can't go in and just say, I'm a missionary. And sometimes you can't go in and say, I'm a Christian right. uh, to some of these countries or, or cultures. And so uh, that means persecution. That means creatively uh, gaining access through through maybe being a teacher or a doctor or some some other uh, some other um, occupation. But really, with that being the focus of the entire conference, there was one particular workshop that hit home with me, and it was called "Mobilizing a Risk Averse Generation." Uh, that's by Dr. Jolene Erlacher, and she has written books. She has uh, uh, she has given uh, workshops and uh, classes, courses actually on Gen Z, especially, and their involvement in missions. Now, can you remind us what Gen Z is like? What yeah. ages are we thinking? Yeah. About? Oh. And I should say, several episodes ago, we talked about uh, uh, Gen Z, and we talked about how to uh, minister with and to Gen Z, and and uh, yeah, invest in them. Gen Z, we're talking from about 1996 to 2010, 2010, so their birth year, right? And so we're talking about people that currently are around 12 years of age to 26 years old. Now we have kids. 
that are that age, 19 and 17. Uh, and, and so that's after Gen X and, of course, after the millennials. Uh, and so this is a this is a risk averse generation. Now, some of us would say, no, that's not true. They want to change the world. They, want, they do. But they're also risk averse. And, and, and many studies have said this. There, there are uh, findings. I'm trying to think of what to share and what not to share. <laughs> uh, there was so much. But one of the things that jumped out is a lot of times emotions are, are, are prioritized more than the facts, right? And so what I feel ends up being my reality for that day, when really circumstances are not horrible, let's say, right? But you feel like they are. You got a terrible grade on your test or uh, something happened overseas that was, that was uh, you know, somebody was persecuted or uh, the church is not doing so great in that area, you know? And, and so, you know, those are the facts, but it's just one instance out of hundreds and hundreds of, of churches that are in that country, perhaps, hmm. you know, and, and so the emotions. So, so are you saying what they do is they kind of like blow it out of proportion in their mind? If it, this is one circumstance with one church that they like overlay that onto the whole nation? Then? So the phrase you use, I, I don't think would be fair, okay. um, uh, blow it out of proportion. No, um, but, but they, the emotion speaks louder than the facts. Um, and part of that is, I mean, honestly, what do you share? What do we all share right. online? We share, we share, or, or we share the emotional. We share something that grabs us, whether it's because of fear or because of joy or because of uh, whatever emotion. You know, the people that just share facts, okay, here are the facts. Even that, we've started to become like, not trust enough, you know, yeah. well, that's fake news. Right. Well, who, right. where are your facts coming from? And so that leads to an entire generation that's just kind of like, I'm not sure who to trust or where mm. to get the right facts. So the only thing I can count on is my emotion in this moment, right? Okay. Now, we shouldn't belittle them for that. Um, there are some good parts of that and bad parts of that, uh, challenges with that or whatever. But that has created something. Here's a quote that, that Dr. Jolene Erlacher said, young people are determining reality based on feeling. So uh, another concept, she said, is there's a high level of tolerance. We, we are supposed to accept and affirm and celebrate everyone's interpretation. Now, in previous years, we're, we're uh, Gen X, just at the very end of Gen X. Mm-hmm. Um, in previous generations, that's been like, hey, that seems anti-missions, right? Like, I mean, literally, there is one way to heaven. There is, Jesus is the way, and uh, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he's, you know, and, and so how does this reconcile? Well, it, it's not to say that one position is wrong, and, and it's not to say that some of these Gen Zers are saying there's not one way. But they are saying, well, maybe the way you find Jesus is going to be very different than the way I find Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? And so just the tolerance there that, again, uh, Dr. Erlacher is not necessarily saying this is good or bad. She's just saying this is observations that we have made that we're going to have to wrestle with, right? Right. And so if we're affirming everything, how do we say, okay, well, what is the, 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 the message of truth here, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and I think another concept that was really huge is that she talked about, she said, one of the ways we can guide Gen Z in missions is through relationship. In fact, one concept that came out of this, this, uh, workshop was relationship is 
retention. Now, Emily, you and I use that word. How do we retain retention, retain missionaries, right? We don't want missionaries. You invest in them, you train them, uh, they raise funds, and then they're off the field in a year. You know, you don't want that. And so how can you retain? Well, relationship is the key. your, Your training, I mean, can be excellent, the content of your training. But if you accompany them, and another another equation that I wrote down is mobilization is mentoring. That is to say, we cannot mobilize just thinking about let's open up their 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 brain and let's put in a bunch of concepts and training and then they are good to go. We have to accompany them and mentor them and guide them. And so even uh, this is something that we're going to be wrestling with in the coming weeks with our own team. Uh, so what what does that look like? Well, we should never have a candidate that comes to us that we that we spend more than a you know weeks or several months without pairing them with someone who's gone before them. Uh, it can be a former missionary, it can be a pastor that's just passionate about missions, but somebody who is training, maybe not even training, but at least accompanying and mentoring them in the process. Mm. There's a lot of things that I'm thinking, and sometimes when I just talk without thinking it through. So tell me if I'm saying something that's not, <laughs> that, I, that I don't want to be. Um, but I'm literally thinking, so if like our generation, meaning Gen X, yours and my generation, like if there was something in us of, I think all of us need a mentor, all of us uh, desire that. Um, however, we found a way to push through mm-hmm. without it. Like I, it, uh, my admission here and my, maybe my confession is every time throughout most of my life, when somebody has said, who's mentoring you, my answer is like, I don't have anybody that's mentoring me. Like I am who I am because I have found my own way. <laughs> like, do you feel like it's almost like a badge of honor? Not intentionally, but almost like, Hey, well, I've just done it. No, I don't think so. I think I would have appreciated somebody doing that, but like there was nobody around. Right. Nobody found me nobody wanted to and I wouldn't just sit and do nothing right like I wanted to be an ordained minister and I wanted to be a nurse and I you know these things that God put in my heart in my life so like I found a way to quote unquote make that happen I know that God made it happen right and there were encouragers along the way and people especially on your level friends that were right but mentors like I don't I would not say that there was somebody mentoring to get to where I am today sure so here all of that context to like just ask your your opinion maybe i know we're not like the most educated people in the room on this however do you think that there's going to be less people that are mobilized then because if this generation requires a generation that needs to be mentoring in order to be mobilized and our generation meaning the x's or the millennials aren't really that yet. Like, let's say it takes 10 years to create a culture of mentoring, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we have it. Well, we've lost that generation, right? So, like, do we have a smaller number of people that are mobilized by the end of, of all of this stuff because of that? Does, does that make sense? Does it, that It does. It, well, first of all, one thing that she said, because someone did ask a question that was similar, um, and she said, well, first of all, literally in population size or in, in percentage-wise, there are fewer Gen Zers than other generations. We're not just talking missionaries. Mm. And so we're talking, uh, you know, there are just... Yeah, people just aren't having as many kids anymore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there are fewer Gen Zers. So when we say our numbers are down in Hmm. missions, you know, amongst the youth. Oh, that's terrible from 40 years ago. Well, there literally are fewer people, but 
we can't just rest on that and say, well, the population right. is less, and so we're going to have less people. She believes, Jolene Erlacher believes, there are plenty of people that have gone before, and literally what I just said, there should be more people that have gone before than maybe some of the people that are coming up. It's just they've never been asked or they've never been equipped to truly mentor the next generation. Mm. Maybe they've been like you were expressing, hey, man, I had to figure out how to do it on my own. And and not that I'm not willing because you are more than willing and you've invested in so many people. But like there are a lot of people that don't truly know how to invest in someone. Well, what do you mean? Do I have a book that I go through with them? And do I? well, no, I mean, it's more like meeting with them and, and praying with them and, and, and listening to them and guiding them, giving them advice much, you know, many times. But one thing she said is we need to look at ourselves as mobilizers, right? Because I let's mobilize the, the church. Let's mobilize this next, next generation. He says, we need to look at ourselves less as chess masters. Like, let's put this person in this place. Let's fill this hole. Let's strategically think. There's some of that that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But she says, let's look at ourselves as mobilizers, less as chess masters or army generals, and more as gardeners gardeners. So we are cultivating. I mean, you can plant a seed, but what do you do if you don't water it? What do, what do you do if you don't make sure it's in sunlight? What do you do if there's no fertilizer and, and you're uh, helping the soil to be the best that it can be? That seed will never bear fruit. Yeah. And so our job as mobilizers isn't just get the statistics up. Uh, uh, we mobilized two more teams. You know, we did this. It, it's it's also to cultivate and to sow the seed and, and you know, and to till the soil even prepare the soil so that we do see fruit later. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I think I, I agree with that analogy. It makes me think of the uh, School of Leadership books that we have that Ani uh, asked when she was writing her side from the Nazarene Missions yes. International side of it. Like that's the whole metaphor that she uses, right? Of like cultivating the seed. There's a big seed on the front of it. And uh, I think if we can have more of that mentality, for sure, we will we will see young people. And what I'm hearing you say is even more so. Like, we've yes. had that mentality, but with the younger generation, they need it even more. You know, so it's like, don't forsake it if you haven't heard it. Embrace it. If you have heard it, do it even more. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, I'm thinking 20 years ago when we went out, we actually were paired. The, uh, the Church of the Nazarene understood this concept even before, <laughs> before all of the Gen Z, and here's the research from the Dr. Erlacher and all this stuff. They understood this is crucial. This is the essence of discipleship, right? That we would mentor along. And so they paired us with a couple that had yeah. gone before. They yeah. had gone to a very different area of the world than we had. I would say they are very different personalities than we are. Um, But they prayed with us. They encouraged us. They guided us. They were there if we needed them. And and, uh, we've returned to that relationship every now and then. Uh, I wouldn't say that now they are the closest of friends. I know that sometimes happens, but at least there there was served a purpose in our formative years and in our training sessions, right? Mm -hmm. And and we at least minimally need to do that. One one other quote here. relationship is retention, right? We've talked about that. So not just salary. Oh, we're going to up their salary so that they feel important and feel valued, right? Uh, Oh, we're going to make sure we do this and that and, you know, give some perks and we're going to do some of those. I mean, those things speak those. That's great. I mean, that's wonderful. But I remember she said when Gen Z is connected and believes in the people they work for and with, 
will go to the ends of the world for them. And so that relationship is everything. We see them bouncing around. Well, they changed from one place to another. And they're, you know, that's very common to hear, you know, talk about, well, oh, Gen Z is changing. And they they were in this career for four years and then they switched. And then we know that that's happening. The statistics tell us that's happening more than in previous generations Uh, and with millennials too. But what, what we're finding is, my goodness, this... Gen Z is will if there is relationship if they are invested in they will trust you they will go go to whatever length to be able to uh, be on mission with you yeah I, I think we've seen that in our own lives um, I, I can attest to that in our children I can I can see that happening but even with the young people that we have um, had the opportunity and the privilege to be in contact with and mobilizing um, I think one of the biggest things that Mesoamerica is maybe known for in our mobilizing is our ability to mobilize young people like mm-hmm. the there we were a part of a global team and something that people constantly are asking Scott and I about are like how how do you guys engage so many young people in, in missions? How is it? And um, and I have to believe that, Scott, some of these things that you have learned in this workshop, thankfully God's gone before us in some of yeah. that stuff. You know, and we would say as Nazarene's provenient grace, and um, we for at least a good eight to 10 years have been creating like a system of relationship. And we talk a lot about mobilizing as discipleship and, and we've started using words of mentoring and walking alongside and, you know, some of those things we've just seen it bear fruit. And, and I guess that's what I could end my, my side of the conversation with today of like, it works. Like it does. It's, it takes more time, yeah. quote unquote. It takes a whole lot of intentionality. And there are things that maybe are difficult about it. But man, when we are able to invest in one person or one couple, and then we're able to see them invest and we're able to see those people invest. And it's like God's given us, thankfully, we're sitting on the other side of mobilization that we've been doing it for so many years, that we are seeing the ripples. Like even as we uh, were interviewing some of the missionaries that are being sent out with Genesis uh, to Puerto Rico very soon, they literally had been uh, affected by other missionaries that were in their city and so those missionaries told them about a relationship that they had and it's like you can connect all of these relationships and God's so good to help you see glimpses of that the longer that you're in it the easier it becomes I guess that's what it would be what I would say to anybody that's listening if you've not moved into kind of like a, a mentoring stage or you're not walking alongside somebody God gives you more than a glimpse as you walk in it longer and longer and it just becomes something that's like I can't imagine not doing this like at least for us it's very um it's encouraging it's why it literally is why i stay engaged in this specific ministry because god is so good to bring fruit from mentoring relationships and to even know that it's going down generations and that they want deeper relationship for me i'm like i'm i'm on board i'm all here for it absolutely and we need to get better and learn and that's why we go to a conference like like this you know and we would we would promote anyone that's listening to this missio nexus has been a great place for resources encouragement networking uh, what a conference. What a wonderful thing. We're looking forward to attending, you know, maybe in person or maybe online next year as well. Emily, if people would like to kind of ask us, hey, you know, more about this or, or they have their own opinions on either of these workshops or topics that we that we touched on, how can they get a hold of us? 
love to engage with you on our social network page, uh, which is the Facebook page, the Worthless Servants podcast. Uh, you can also find us online at mesoamericagenesis.org using the English podcast tab. That's right. That's right. Uh, subscribe to this. Tell somebody else about it. I can tell you our next episode, we're going to be back as a full crew, a full cast, and uh, we're going to be touching on topics uh, related to, to, to missions and culture and healthy church. We are the Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Emily Armstrong. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.